Welcome to the Human Conversation Podcast with Jules White, the real dragon slayer, author and entrepreneur's sales coach. Tune in weekly for human conversation about business and sales. Enjoy business expert interviews, educational episodes, and virtual cuppers with entrepreneur business owners. So grab yourself a cuppa and enjoy. Here is your host, Jules White. So welcome to the Human Conversation. It's been a little while, but I am absolutely thrilled to be kicking off 2022 with my very good friend, Bob Ferguson. Bob, welcome to the Human Conversation. Yeah, fabulous. Thanks, Jules. Great to be here. And and as you say, a wonderful way to start the new year. Isn't it just? And it is your second time on the podcast. So we we will make sure we link everybody back to that very first conversation, which was fascinating, yeah. much more space based. And then I think we did talk about some other things, too. But we had a much more general conversation, Bob, in yeah. that podcast. Now, today, we've got a special thing to talk about, haven't we? We have indeed. Yes. yes. <laughs> do, you want to, do you want to tell the listeners? I do. Yeah. I- <laughs> I finally managed to finish my book and get it published. Yeah. yeah, I know. It's it's great. It always sounds great when people say, oh, I'm going to write a book. But the reality of it is slightly different. And uh, I think probably most authors, I know I, I certainly did. When you finish the book, you think, thank goodness for that. <laughs> and I'm glad that's done. Well, I think especially as actually, Bob, as I understand it, you did most of it. Um, on your own you know you you really did I know you probably had some guidance from various people but I had a book coach who kept me very accountable and I spoke to her every month yeah Uh, I'm not sure did you have anything like that Bob no I had read a lot about the process of writing but even that didn't really prepare me for the way that it worked out and I never realized it before and it will color the way that I do my future offerings uh, because I, the next one is in the pipeline already, Jules. I, Exciting. I'm but uh, when we say write a book, we think of sitting down and writing and, and getting to the end and getting it done. And it doesn't work like that. And I was thankful that I'd heard advice from people before. They talked about authors like Jeffrey Archer. Uh, he was a book agent he was talking about sending a book to a, a, a publisher or a book agent and Jeffrey Archer apparently went through 13 or 14 edits before he'd ever send it to uh, a publisher because most people think well I've got a, an outline of a great story here I'll send it to the publisher and if the publisher's interested then I'll polish it up but it doesn't work like that. Jeffrey Archer knew that you had one chance to impress the publishers. And so you had to edit it all this time. And in fact, what happened with me was once I'd done my planning and, and bearing in mind, we were talking about my core skill. So I knew all the information. It wasn't as if I had to do a great deal of research. I knew it. And once I'd structured it and planned it out, writing the first draft was relatively quick because I dictate everything. I I use a headset and I dictate. I can dictate at about 3,000 words an hour. So uh, 30,000 word books, about 10 hours of dictation, which isn't bad at all. Amazing. 
the version I finally published was version 12. (laughs) I kind of knew you were going to say that to me, Bob, knowing you so well. (laughs) Yeah. And and what, what I found is really strange is that when it comes to writing a book, you do that first draft and you get it done. And just as you finish it, you realize what you actually meant to say, what your message was. So you have to go back to the beginning and start to deconstruct it and put different bits in to make it reflect the message you truly want to deliver. Yeah. So, I, And it was a wonderful learning process, but for sure, editing is the key skill of an author. And the, the best thing you can do is get your first draft out as quickly as possible and then take your time in the editing because that produces a much better quality product in the end. Yeah, it's so interesting, this point, actually, Bob, because I suppose I've got lots of questions went through my mind. I was like, okay, so when do you say it's ready to publish? Because surely there's always something new you can add. Because I was even thinking the other night, I said to my Sam, my son, and the regular listeners will know who Sam is. And I said to him, um, driving Sam, Sam. yes, he was 17, wasn't he, on New Year's Day? Um, I said to Sam, oh, shall I kind of republish my book as a version two? You know, I'm sure I've got things I can now add to it, you know. And he turned around and he was, this is a 17-year-old, you know, it's quite interesting. And he said, no, I just write another book, (laughs) mum. And so it's quite interesting his thought on it. But I guess from your perspective, Bob, you've got this kind of draft, a first draft, and then you're editing and then you're adding in, adding in, adding in. At what point do you say, right, it's ready? Yeah. I think every time you edit, you edit less and less. And there comes to a point where you're saying, well, I'm only tweaking one or two words. Uh, uh, you know perhaps three or four pages per chapter it's it's time to close it down I in fact probably about version nine I had a friend say it's ready stop stop (laughs) publish it but I still had one or two tweaks and little bits that I wanted to do but when it dwindles then it's time to stop however this business of adding in and adding in I recognize that And I had a really good friend who beta read it for me. uh, And he was uh, an engineer, ex-engineer. He now runs a finance company. Uh, Wonderful chap. He read it and and he enjoyed it. And he said to me, the thing that's missing is more of your stories. He said, because the stories you've got in the background would be wonderful. And they'd illustrate all these points. And I deliberately written it at about 100 pages it came out just over because I wanted people to be able to pick it up and read it and look at it quickly and sort of read it in a day and get the essence of it and keep going back to it rather than think this is like war and peace I've got to get through Uh, however I think you're right you've always got more that you can add and more that you can uh, give people I think what's really valuable is to use those stories in your social media when you're talking about things that are in your book and referencing it back to your book. That's the time to tell the stories because they hook people in with the stories and then it points back to your book. So, yeah, I managed to use all those stories in my social media 
activities yeah. so that people get the story and then they get the fact out of the book. That's that's great. That's great advice. I love um, talking to authors to see what their their process was and see what their journey was like because I don't think um, any two authors have had the same experience anyway. No, you know, sure. so it's it's really valuable, especially if you're thinking of writing a book, which I think a lot of people think, oh, I've definitely got a book I could write, and now you can. You know, with self publishing, and it is so much easier for us to be able to actually get books out there, which is the lovely part. But I also believe there's an element of keeping quality in a book. And you and I have talked about this before, where we still want to read a good book. You know, we don't just want a book for the sake of it. So all of this is valuable conversation, I think, in this podcast. Now, we've talked straight away about this whole experience of writing a book, which I'm sure we'll dip back into. But actually, I'd like to tell everybody what the book is, Bob, because I all think right. this is a great opportunity. Okay, so there's there's the cover. Wow. It's an almost it isn't that big in reality, of course. You don't you don't, you know, it doesn't come in the outsized book section. There you go. There's the real size. Uh, and of course, it. of course, you can only see this if you're watching on YouTube. So if you're listening to us, thank you for listening. But you can't see what we're we've actually got. We've got Bob's book in his virtual background. He's got his book beautifully displayed, and I've got it here with me in my hand, and it's signed. So I was very excited. So that's brilliant. So Bob, it's called Great Technical, Technical Speaking. Speaking. It's not rocket science. It's not rocket science. Tell us quickly what's the relationship to rockets, Bob? All right. Well, <laughs> my, my background: the last twenty years that I spent in engineering was in Airbus Defence and Space working on spacecraft and in fact when I go back to my normal background like that one that picture there is a, a picture of the minerals on mercury and mercury is very special to me because one of the spacecraft I worked on is Bepi Colombo and that got to mercury last year it went in October 2018 uh, it got to mercury last year but of course, to get there in that time, it's going far too fast to stop and go into orbit. So it's now got to spend another three years looping round in a, in a huge slingshot round Mercury. And every time it gets close to the planet, it uses the drag of the planet to slow it down. And then in December 2025, it's going to go into orbit and they're going to press the button and all three modules of Bepi Colombo are due to separate and in December 2025 I should be sat there with my fingers and everything <laughs> else crossed me I will those are the bits that I worked on uh, that have to separate on command uh, six years after launch it's really fascinating Bob it always has been to me uh, the vastness of space full stop but also the the way we are now able to do the things that we do and find out what we're finding out, it's really amazing, isn't it? Sure it is. And, uh, of course, we've just seen the Webb telescope go up, uh, which is going to give us even more insight. Yeah, uh, yeah. And you've worked on that. And I think, oh, wow. And you probably think, yeah, that was just my job. But it was amazing that you've done that. Yeah, it's a really interesting part of motivation in large engineering companies. And, and it doesn't matter what you do, if you're in a Formula One team or if you're in the space industry, or if you're working on aircraft, everyone does a small bit. And um, even more interesting, I think, they're surrounded by people who do the same job. And so they look at what they do 
as just being the norm yeah. but in fact it's explaining to them and helping them understand the contribution that they make and the significance of it and what it adds to the general understanding and, and knowledge and exploration and man's advance into space so uh, whilst everyone works on a small bit all the small bits add up and produce a fantastic result absolutely don't they and it kind of brings us into the reason for the book in a sense doesn't it Bob where I think your experience from our conversations has been this working with these highly intelligent technical guys who know all these amazing complex details but can they actually then put it into a very simple format of presenting it all you know so that it's it's really valuable to people I guess that's kind of the essence isn't it it's part of the essence, definitely. That's absolutely right. And it is a challenge for technical people because by and large, they know far more than the people they're talking to. And even if the people they talk to are very knowledgeable, if you've been working on a project, you don't have to be working on it very long before you outstrip the people who aren't working on it, who are equally intelligent in your background knowledge. And so being able to express that is really difficult. But if you look at the, the broader context of bright people communicating, this is definitely a two way street. So part of the challenge, which I'll talk about in the book, is for technical people to be able to present concisely and clearly so that their message gets over. But part of the fault is in the listener in the company not helping them do the best job they can and you can sort of see that if you look at the troubles we've had with covid you've got all these bright people in the sage committee uh, very bright people looking at the possible impact of covid virus and advising the government and the government said we're following the science but apparently not following the science <laughs> and and the these bright people are saying well we've delivered the message the rest is up to the government but i don't believe that's entirely true i think if you're a technical expert you have a responsibility to help shape the decisions of the people you're advising rather than just deliver the information and organizations company big engineering companies big technical companies they have a responsibility to learn how to get the best out of the technical advice they're getting rather than just say oh well they're giving us the information we'll make the decision which yeah. doesn't give them the best service. Mm, no, it's, it's so true, isn't it? Yeah. Would you then say that this book is only for technical people or actually, because I know what my answer is to this, or actually do you think it can just help all of us in the way that we communicate? Yeah, there's definitely an element that will help everybody. So it is definitely focused on people with great technical expertise. So those might be technical people, they might be engineers, but I find exactly the same sort of traits in lawyers and accountants. They're people with deep knowledge. And if you take that to its logical conclusion, everyone who's working on something has a deep embedded knowledge. So your knowledge on sales <laughs> is, is so much deeper than everyone else's. But when you're talking to people like me, who probably <laughs> don't appreciate sales so much, it's about getting your message over in a way that people who are not familiar with your techniques understand. Yeah. So it has, it has got a broader application, even though I wrote it with my reader 
as those deeply technical people in uh, one frame or another. Yeah, and I think the reason I wanted to ask that question is because I have picked up this book and read parts of this book and it is just to let people know it's the type of book that you can go back and forth to you don't have to start at the very beginning and then finish at the end you can but actually it's a great book that almost sits by your side I think and you keep going back and referencing it that's my other thought on it and when I've read the bits that I've read I absolutely love it I I love how I can understand it it's very simply written you know, in that in that respect. And so I really appreciate this book is absolutely brilliant for me. And I don't consider myself to be a deep knowledge complex type of person. But what you said was interesting, because when I first started to coach sales, Bob, I spoke in a very corporate way about sales. And so there's the example in, in its simplest format, I guess, is the jargony type of language that sales people use in the corporate space is not necessarily language that everybody understands and I think it's probably that that the same isn't it in other industries and sectors so we all end up in a silo somewhere don't we yeah we do we do in organization accounts or purchasing or engineering or, or whatever it is all these people exist in in different companies yeah and and they tend to communicate mainly with the people who do the same job who understand it and it's when they step outside of their tribe if you like for want of a better word Mm. and have to communicate and and for engineers in particular engineers their word is very valuable outside their advice is very valuable so if they're out in front of clients the clients are listening to them because (laughs) i know you'll hate this jules but but they trust the engineers more than they trust the salespeople. Yeah, <laughs> I actually believe that, Bob, yeah. to be honest, <laughs> which is why I do what I do. I'm trying to, to mop up behind yeah, yeah, it trying to <laughs> Trying to change that situation. <laughs> so the, the engineers are, are potentially great ambassadors for any organisation when they're out there because they're the people that the clients will listen to because there's a feeling that their advice will be neutral and unbiased. Uh, yes, they might talk about the company's products, but they will also tell them about other products and other avenues that they can go to. And so their word is highly sought after. And that's a great way that companies can use their engineers to spread the word about the good stuff that they're doing, providing the engineers don't immediately dive straight into the depths and the uh, the technicality of it, but understand how to talk to the customers so that the customers get the information they need. Yeah, and this book does all of that lovely stuff, to be honest. Right, so I also want to look at um, the format of the book because I'm delighted to tell everybody that you put it into three sections because um, you know how much I love my threes and I know you do but actually we also know the the science behind that and and the psychology behind it so um, I, I just love how you've split it into those three areas and so if I just quickly look and it tells me here that part one then talks about the challenges of communication so this is like this is sort of laying the foundation of the reasons why we should be reading this book you know really isn't it which is yeah. which is what I really love and then you talk about the process of creating effective presentations 
This yeah. has got gold in it, Bob, real gold. Um, and then you finish off then with techniques and theory, which is really lovely because then that's the bit that is just there for you. You can just go back to it again and again. So that format for me in a book is absolutely great. Tell us a bit more about the thought process behind putting those three things like that. Right. Well, I, I I think you've done it very well oh. yourself, actually, George. You, you come in. But that's exactly what I wanted to do. I don't think any communication, whether it's a presentation, a speech or one to one conversation should take place without a specific audience in mind and a purpose. So when you set off, you should understand who you're writing for or speaking to. And you should have a purpose that you want to get out of that communication. To, and the first section is about explaining that to the audience, because most audiences, even one to one, start off with a question, what's in it for me in their head? Mm. You know, why should I bother to read this book? Why yeah. should I, I go through and even 100 pages? Why should I read 100 pages? And the why was to explain the challenges that people with this deep embedded knowledge have. and so that they could understand what challenges the book was going to help them overcome and whether it was for them. Mm. Uh, and it also lays the foundation for the organisation as well. People who run businesses who read that first section would start to understand how the way people communicate in their organisation can cost them money if they get it wrong. And yes. big loss. And I think the headline figure we, we keep talking about is even if you shorten meetings by better presentations in the UK alone we waste 28.6 billion pounds a year on wasted time in meetings oh my that's goodness not the, that's not the time of meetings that's the wasted time in meetings yeah yeah and when you have that sort of money being wasted every time then it makes sense for an organisation to think, well, we can use this to improve the ratio of wastage that we have to good meetings. Yeah. And, you know, it also kicks into my sales head and my sales mind where I say, right, so a much smarter meeting with really valuable content in it means that I'm more likely to convert a client into business which is then your money side of things, which, you know, I don't focus on money, but ultimately all of this stuff makes the money you know which is which is the key to all of this it's very interesting stuff Bob it really is um I also love how you've kind of gone into real good value in this book so from my perspective when I look at it and I think is I know you Bob so we have lots of conversations where I talk sales with you you talk presenting and speaking with me and it's just been wonderful to have you as my and uh, my ally in my yeah, business I know it's really um, great great symbiotic relationship it is it is um but some of the stuff in this book is is stuff i know you've taught me it's stuff i can go back and forth to it talks about presenting skills it talks about understanding your, your challenges it talks about the templates in here which is marvelous it, it it helps you to understand the psychological journey of being presented to yeah which I, I think is really interesting because how many of us actually think about what this is going to feel and look like, you know, when we put our presentations together? I'm not sure we do no. do that enough, Bob. No, I, I, you mentioned the second section, which was about my process. Yes. Uh, and what I've tried to get over in there 
is that we have this very strange concept of writing a presentation or writing a speech as if we sit down and write it like a letter we start at the beginning and we get to the end and I know from experience from the people I coach generally their number one objective when they start to write a presentation is to finish it that's what they want to do they just want <laughs> yeah, to get rid of get it to the end yeah, I've written it so let's go and present it now however I tend to use the phrase crafting a presentation rather than writing because writing can be great for getting your thoughts down and it helps with the thinking process, but you cannot write it serially from beginning to end. And so my process has a very quick structure to start off with to get the basic framework. And I, I draw the analogy uh, with art because uh, that's one of the things I use of drawing a person that the way to start drawing a person is to start with a stick model a very simple quick stick model that you can draw out that puts all the limbs in the right place and shows how they're moving and where the general bits are. And once you've got that in your head, then you start to build up the levels of detail and you should write a presentation in the same way. You should start to look at the ending that you want from it. What results do you want at the end of your presentation? This is the purpose of you writing. And without that, it's really hard to write. And then you've got to go back to the beginning and look at the audience and think, well, if I was in the audience and I disliked your ideas. So if I was in the audience and you came to talk to me about sales, what sort of thoughts do you think I would have in my head? Would I be sat there <laughs> thinking there's no way she's going to get me to sell anything? I can tell yes. You <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you need to understand those thoughts, because when you write, you need to be answering the questions that people will ask. And if you've got a big one like that, like there's no way you're going to teach me how to sell, then you need to address that because that's the elephant in the room. And unless you deal with that effectively, they won't listen to the rest. It doesn't matter how good the rest is. If they don't believe you're going to teach them to sell, they won't start listening. Yeah. So it, it, it then starts to put into order the order of the subjects you want to talk about what questions your audience will have, what fears they have. You will have come across loads of fears of salespeople going in. People talk about rejection when a client says no, how you deal with that. So what are their fears going to be? If you were able to grant them a golden wish, what would that golden wish be? And then you start to understand what material your audience want and you can take them from where they are when they enter the room to where they are when they finish when you finish yeah but in the first place this just needs to be a very basic structure and i say that because sometimes you get put on the spot someone says uh, you know perhaps you go to a lunch or something like that someone says oh jules after we finish lunch would you just say 10 minutes on on selling and you have to be able to structure this thing very quickly so that you can stand up and talk around the structure. If you've got more time, then you can add more layers and you go through with layers at a time. So when I'm crafting a presentation, I'll get that basic structure and then I'll go through and I think, what emotions do I want the audience to feel? And we talk about using stories to carry emotion with an audience. So what story would carry that emotion for the audience and, and help them? Yeah. Do I want humour in it? Where's a suitable place to put humour in it? 
Are there any sales messages in it? Because if you drop them in at the appropriate place, it's called swap, selling without annoying people. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. You just drop it in at the right moment and it doesn't sound like a sales message. So yeah. lots of passes I go through, and that's probably why my book took 12 edits. <laughs> but every time you're building the richness and depth of what you're providing the audience with, and then when all that work is finished, you're in the place to write it just to do your final edits on it. Yeah. But it, it is a building crafting process, not a serial writing process. Yeah. It's so, again, what great advice. And this is a lovely way of us looking at it, you know, from a different perspective. And um, the other thing I love is that this book then has actually become a beautifully simple to read book that's not too long, but is just absolutely full of value, you know, as I've said earlier. And that's what I love because you think, well, technical speaking, oh my goodness, it's probably going to be really complicated to read. But Bob is just the master because he makes the book beautifully simple to read. You know, Um, it's great, Bob. It really is. It it certainly was my objective. And I think I've said in the past when we've we've chatted that I I learned off Richard Feynman, who was the Nobel Prize winning physicist. And he was the chap who worked on the Challenger disaster on the O-Seals in the Challenger. Amazing. Amazing. He was a very bright bloke, um, brain the size of the planet. (laughs) However, he always talked about talking to 11 year olds because if you can get over a complex point to an 11 year old then you can talk to anyone and I think that's really good advice because if anyone can pick up or listen to you and say yeah I get it then you've hit the target and that's a great way to start with simple writing it is really good advice. And I suppose I've been lucky in having Sam because obviously I know he's 17 now, but I think over the years he's been my 11-year-old at times where I can yeah. just say, so do you understand what this means then if I say it like this? you know? And it is such a great grounding process, isn't it, as yeah, to whether yeah. you're getting your message across properly. So I want to touch on a couple more things before we, we end because you and I will otherwise talk for two hours, Bob, as we yeah. always do. No problem um, at all, George. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, I want to just um, the the book is is absolutely brilliant everybody should go and get it and I'll reiterate that at the end as well in my kind of closing message but I want to also then drop in what do you do Bob now what you know what is it that you do work-wise with your clients so that we also have that perspective yeah it, it is quite a mix because people we like to buy in boxes now you know, people are either trainers or speakers or or whatever it is. But just as it was, I suppose, in engineering, mm-hmm. I, I'm a sort of mismatch of everything that I need. So I spend a lot of time coaching people on on one to one basis, people who have important speeches to do, who have to perhaps face the media, publicize books, all that sort of thing. Uh, and I write the speeches for them so that they can go out. Apart from anything else, I'm a lot quicker at it than they are. And with clients, certainly that I've kept in the long term, I, of course, know their backstory. I know what they want to put across. So it makes it very easy for me to write that sort of thing. So that's on the the one to one level. I do my own speaking, going out to talk to people about how speaking can improve their business. So with small businesses, I go out and advise them 
on using networking events. We all go to networking events. We used to go physically, but now most of them are on Zoom, and I'm hoping we'll go back to physically soon. Yeah. I much, much prefer a physical audience. <laughs> <clears throat> but I, I show them how if they do the right presentation when they go to a networking event, that it will cause the audience to think about how they can use their services and whether they want to work with them or whether they want to strike up an alliance, perhaps if they've got a complementary skill that you can work together uh, and it attracts people in rather than again, submerge them in fact. And then at the training end uh, with large organizations who have a, a lot of particularly technical people and the technical organizations I've worked in in the past, uh, I go back and help them produce technical presentations so that they can get decisions made. You, you've got to have a result out of this. It's not just how can I improve standing in front of an audience? It's about how can I use what I do as a presenter to help the business do what they need to do more effectively? Yeah, this is, goes back to all that money wasted in the meetings, et cetera, and this conversion piece, isn't it? You know, it's, yeah, that's, ultimately, that's why we run businesses, isn't it? So. Yeah, that's one of the wastages, and it's the one with the big headline value, but there's loads of others. So, for instance, technical companies live on technical advantage. If they get an advantage over their competitors, that's great. And most of those advantages come from ideas within the organisation. But if the communication isn't good enough to get those ideas up, they miss them. Mm -hmm. and, and, of course, I, I talked about Challenger, the Challenger disaster. Yes. The consequences of poor decisions in organizations is immense yeah um, a, a challenger I, I guess would be a a big one you know i don't know what they cost one and a half billion pounds or, or dollars something like that but in organizations just small decisions are costing them money every year mm. uh, so it's improving the value that they get out of their technical staff it is it's amazing the work you're doing bob and and how it's evolved from where you started in your career um, and obviously the Toastmasters link, which, you know, we'll yeah. put in your bio because you are an award-winning champion speaker, not just sure. a speaker, eh, Bob? Well, that's uh, that's really ironic, you know, because <laughs> I started in, uh, it's Toastmasters International is the organisation and it's a public speaking organisation rather than the red coat MCs that we uh, yes, see of course. Toastmasters in this country. But I went there because I detested speaking in public. I, I hated presentations and I would do almost uh, anything to get out of them if I could. <laughs> and then on one occasion, I was on an OU summer school and I managed to duck out of the presentation with most of the group, I have to say. Uh, and we all got our backsides kicked. And the, and the bloke said, you know, if you don't learn to speak effectively in front of an audience, your career will just stagnate. And I sort of took that on board and thought, oh, yes, I better go and get some help with this. And really, about six months in, I found well, this is not as bad as I thought it was. Yeah. And then I think the sort of entertainer gene took over then <laughs> and said, actually, I'm quite enjoying this being stood in front of the audience. Uh, and I then spent about 20 years blending what I was learning with my speaking and the problems that I saw in engineering companies and putting the two together to try and come up with this system that would help people present effectively. It's amazing how you have these moments in life when you look back that yeah. actually changed your whole path. Um, and who's to say what you would be doing if you hadn't bothered to yeah. learn that you could 
speak and that you're an amazing speaker actually Bob because you are a wonderful speaker to listen to so um oh Bob it's been so good as always massively thankful that you finally finished your book um and I do think that anyone listening who wants to write a book listen to all the amazing advice from Bob but equally understand it's your journey you know some of us will write a book in a month or three months and Bob and I will go really um I took a year to write my book Bob I don't know exactly yeah. how long it was from start to finish I have to say it was probably about a year and it was probably the year during lockdown which was very <laughs> fortuitous <laughs> but but I think it's about that journey of writing yeah. and making sure that it's it, that you own it as opposed to feel like it's prescriptive and it's got to be done in a certain way because that's what creates great books ultimately so um finally Bob where can we get the book from Well, what I'll do is I'll provide you with an Amazon link that you can put in with the notes of the podcast and and that's the place to buy it. It's the easiest place to buy it. And I suppose I've got another question. You may have a yes or no answer and I have no idea which. Are you going to make an audio book? I think the answer is yes, because I already had one client buy the book and and grumble and said, what isn't it available in audio? it, it isn't the top of my list at the moment, but certainly it will be coming out because nowadays so many people listen. And I do myself. I listen to loads of stuff. Go out for walking a dog and I can see yours comfortably behind. <laughs> yeah, but, you see it somewhere, but, isn't it? Yeah, but when you go out for a walk with a dog, it's great to put the earbuds in and, and walk along listening to some good content. So yeah. for sure there will eventually be an audio book out of it. Yeah, you've definitely got an audience to serve on that audio basis, Bob. And so, um, yeah, I, I can't wait to to hear your audio book when it's done. No pressure, of course, Bob. Of course you know? not. No. <laughs> I'll um, let you listen to it first, Jules, and then you can yeah. give some feedback. <laughs> I will. Um, I hope it's you who reads it is all I'll say, because I do think it's quite important that that you do that because it's, yeah. it's coming from you I, I I like that um listen Bob um we could probably talk even more about this amazing book but everybody I, I really hope that you do go and get Bob's book I don't believe it's just for a specific type of person personally I think it's for anyone in business it will be helpful in some way or another with presenting communication speaking this communication piece is pretty awesome isn't it Bob pretty yeah. needed yeah uh, yeah that, <laughs> we, we all assume because we can talk we can communicate but sadly it's not the case yeah absolutely so thank you so much bob it's been an absolute pleasure to to speak to you again yeah pleasure to join you jules i, I look forward to our next lunch as well oh we it's can, soon we can chat for two hours then yeah, <laughs> yeah i think it's next week so not long to wait um listeners please do follow us, subscribe, make sure you watch us on YouTube as well, because then you can actually see the book and this wonderful Mercury behind Bob uh, on our screens today. But uh, we really appreciate that you listen to us. Please subscribe. We're on um, Apple Podcasts, we're on Spotify, Stitcher, uh, all the general podcast channels, you will find the human conversation. So until next time, ta-ta for now. You've just been listening to the Human Conversation podcast with Jules White. To find out more about the other work that Jules does, please visit her website, www.liveitloveitsellit.co.uk. And if you enjoyed the podcast, then please do leave a rating and review on the platform you use to enjoy her show. 
Thanks for listening and see you next time. 